What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Hello, everyone. We have Kylie Hempy on today's episode. I am just going to toss it at you, Kylie. Start wherever you like. Awesome. Thank you so much, Shelly, for the introduction and just for having me on the podcast this morning. Um, I I love what you're doing, and I'm really inspired by it. Um, I Unfortunately, I miscarried about two and a half years ago now, and I have been astounded by how many more resources there are now even than there were when I was going through my own loss. And so I'm really encouraged by all of the people like you who are just um, really combating the secrecy around miscarriage head on and are really making positive change in the world. So thank you for kind of creating this community and this environment. And yeah, and on that note, um, I, so I miscarried almost two and a half years ago now. And a lot of my story um, about my life today, honestly, has been really shaped by my miscarriage. I unfortunately had a second trimester miscarriage, which is relatively rare still. Um, and I think when I hit like week 13 or 14, when I knew I was going into the second trimester, I kind of had this sense of like, okay, we made it. Um, and like, okay, it's it's okay to share now. And I had these societal expectations around the fact that I was in the clear. And I think um, like if you could see me right now, I used air quotes while saying that because I think what I realized is that you're never really in the clear. Um, Life is always a little bit up in the air and you never know exactly what's going to happen, but it definitely caught us off guard. And really our story started a couple months prior to miscarriage. Um, My husband, we lost his grandpa and his grandpa was one of, um, I'd say he was my husband's best friend. And we live really quite far away from family. We live in Northern California and the rest of our families in Southern California. But his grandparents were like 10 minutes away from our house. And we saw them all the time and he just grew up really close to his grandpa. So he had lost his grandpa and kind of in the wake of losing his grandpa, we realized how important it was to us to have kids in a, at an age where we felt like our parents could still be really present with our kids. And we really wanted to give both our kids and our parents the opportunity to have the kind of relationship that he had had with his grandpa Um, so we started talking about having kids and that's a couple months later I ended up pregnant. Um, and then, like I said, I got into my second trimester and really thought I was quote unquote in the clear. And I started sharing that I was pregnant with, um, coworkers and with family and hadn't shared. I'm not huge into social media. Like I enjoy it. (laughs) I like consuming it more than I like posting in it. But I um, hadn't shared it on there, but I had pretty much shared it with everyone else. And so everyone who knew me really knew that I was pregnant. I was also had like a horrific, just absolutely horrific pregnancy. I was 
throwing up like every day. And we had planned this big trip that we had saved for for just years um, to Greece. And I mean, I had had dreams of this trip since I was like in high school and watching Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants and just desperately wanted to go where all the white buildings were. And we ended up going when I was about nine weeks pregnant. And I couldn't tell you a thing about Greece, which is like funny in retrospect, but honestly, it made the miscarriage even more painful at the time that um, we had spent all this money and I had been dreaming of this trip and saving for this trip for years. And it was really horrific. Like I spent basically the entire trip inside our hotel rooms throwing up at all hours of the night. And I have vivid memories in like the Athens airport, just laying on the floor, which I don't even know how gross that is when I think about it in retrospect, but I was just so miserable and uncomfortable that that's how it was. And then um, a couple months later, I went in for uh, just a checkup. And at the time I was about 17 weeks. And so my doctor who I adored when we started treatment with her and then, I mean, she was just, I scored the jackpot in terms of empathetic doctors who really walked through miscarriage beautifully with me. And I'm just endlessly thankful for that now because I don't think I was aware of how bad it can be and how insensitive doctors can be. And she was just an angel, but um, we went in for an appointment and she was using the Doppler to find the heartbeat. And we had had a confirmed heartbeat at like, I want to say eight weeks. And then I had been in again and we had done an ultrasound at about 13 weeks. And so this was just another checkup. And what they found in that ultrasound or what they found with the Doppler she couldn't find a heartbeat. And so she was like, why don't we do an ultrasound just to check and make sure everything was okay. And I didn't really think anything of it when she said that. Um, but then we went into the ultrasound room and she was just really quiet. And I like started to, I think my husband picked up on it before I did, cause he was actually watching the ultrasound and I didn't know what I was looking for. So I was just staring at the window. Um, and I kind of started tearing up and crying as I realized like, okay, something's wrong. And then she said, I'm so sorry. Like I can't find a heartbeat. Um, so she kept looking for a while and didn't end up finding one. And so we sat in her office for honestly, I mean, it felt to me like eternity at the time, but I think it was probably an hour, which again, I'm the luckiest in terms of doctors. She was amazing. And she just answered every question because I, like I said, once we passed really the safe zone, I didn't think it was a possibility. <laughs> um, like I didn't realize that you could still miscarry. And I was just absolutely shocked and crushed in that office. And I think when we left, we like didn't even know. I mean, my husband was with me, thank God. Um, he would be with me for all of my appointments after that. Um, but we left and we just didn't know, like, what do you do after you get that news? And I remember coming home, I called my mom on the way home. And I remember coming home and just sitting on our couch in our living room and like looking at my husband and being like, but what do you do really? <laughs> like, I don't understand. Like you don't, I mean, obviously in my situation, um, it hadn't happened in such a way that I had the option. Like I was too far along to miscarry at home. 
Um, and so I had the option of going to the hospital for surgery or going in a hospital and being induced and going through labor. And I ended up choosing to do what's called the DNE, which is um, like it's a surgery to go in and remove the baby. And I just came home like in this weird in between where I couldn't. I couldn't like go back to work functionally. I was not in a place where I would have been useful at work. Um, I was working as a product manager in tech at the time. And it's so interesting to look back because I remember just sitting on my couch and thinking like, I don't know what I do for the two days where I wait for this surgery. Like, what am I supposed to, I can't just like go on my phone and search Instagram and pretend like this never happened. I cannot go back to work. Like, nothing on TV is going to be funny to me. Like what, what am I supposed to do in this time? And I remember just kind of sitting in that and crying. And later that day, um, I ended up digging up a book actually by one of my favorite authors. who has been one of my favorite authors since I was in college, her name Shauna Nyquist. And my least favorite, ironically, of her books is one or <laughs> was my least favorite um, is one where she talks about her experience with miscarriage. And because I didn't have a lot of places that I could turn to learn about miscarriage, other than like the abyss that is babycenter.com and the internet, uh, <laughs> I like these kind of podcasts either didn't exist or I hadn't found them, but I was just desperate to hear people's stories. And I remember I read that book like cover to cover that first day because I didn't know what else to do and I was just so hungry to like have her words because I didn't know how to explain what I was feeling or what the experience was like um, and I was just so appreciative that she had like taken the time to write her thoughts and her experience and that in that moment when I really needed someone to connect with that she was there um, that's part of the reason why I feel so positive about what you're doing is that like I desperately in that moment needed someone else's story so then um over the course of I went in everything we found out on a Wednesday I went in for surgery on Friday and I was lucky enough that at the time where I was working I had a boss who had experienced something almost exactly the same like when I think back on it it kind of gives me goosebumps to think about the way that our stories paralleled. And she really pushed me. I actually wanted to go back to work right away, like as soon as my doctor would release me. And she pushed me to take um, an extra week off, which in retrospect, at the time, I was actually pretty mad about it. <laughs> and in retrospect, I am just endlessly grateful for that week because I feel like I got, again, I wasn't plugged into the miscarriage community online and I didn't know how bad some people had it. And I felt grateful to have the time to sit and process and think. And I actually ended up in therapy um, for a couple months. And that was just like absolutely transformative for me and my life. And so, um, over the course of that week, I mean, I went, I went to my first therapy appointment. I was recovering from surgery, which I don't think, I mean, I have a lot of feelings about surgery. And I remember we pulled up to the hospital and the first thing that they had us do was pay for the surgery, which I just like, can't even 
grapple with that still to this day. They were like, okay, well, it's going to be like $3,000. So can you hand us a credit card? (laughs) I was like in the midst of grief and pain. And I was just whatever I had to do to get them to shut up, I would have done. So I handed over my credit card and um, headed in for pre-op. And um, I just like in retrospect that week, I think I finally had the time, like in the week after surgery, I was kind of a zombie in the process of surgery and then in the aftermath of surgery and in that week I had time to process like what just happened and what does it mean and I remember um pretty vividly thinking a lot about like life and death and as I mentioned at the beginning we had just lost my husband's grandpa and that was really the first person close to me who had died and then now my baby boy had died and I just like was struck for the first time really how fragile life is and I think I asked as a result a lot of existential questions of like but wait you mean my heart could stop beating at any moment and that scared me to no end so I was kind of grieving on one hand the loss of my baby boy and frankly all of the dreams that we had for the life that was coming and like getting to share in that joy with our family and like I was this all happened in the fall so I was thinking that like I was going to get to celebrate with family over the holidays and I had in mind what the next seven months of my life of pregnancy and newborn life looked like and all of that was just out the window so I was grieving that I was realizing like what death means in life and that's really heavy and really hard to go through when you're already kind of in a fragile place. And then my husband and I were also trying to figure out this balance of like, we were both grieving, but he also was back at work at that point and had to be back at work at that point. And so I was kind of in this silo, like processing and grieving, and he was entering back into the real world. And there was just this inevitability that he had to reenter the real world. And I remember I was so grateful when a friend of mine who at the time was like a very, (laughs) I I would use the term friend loosely at the time that I actually miscarried um, and has since become a close friend of mine, but she reached out to me to get coffee and she had experienced a miscarriage a couple years or I guess a year prior. And we just sat for like three hours and talked and she had gone through all of the same thinking from like the existential questions to the having a hard time figuring out what it means for your marriage and like wondering about your future fertility and what's wrong. And I did all of the testing that could be done and never figured out what happened. And I know now statistically that that's the case for most people who miscarry and that just leaves you with this lack of closure. And I was so thankful to have someone like sitting across the table from me saying, yeah, I've been there and I get it and it's horrible. And, but like, I'm here and I'll listen to you. And I was so thankful for that week. And so what I would say like to anyone who's gone or is going through it, like if you can even just find one person who's been there, I think it's really transformative to have someone who's experienced it. Um, just come alongside you and like you can look at them and think okay they like they survived this because there are definitely moments where I felt like this was insurmountable and I could look at her and say like okay she figured this out and like it's not without grief and it's not without pain but she figured this out and she survived it 
I think the other thing I learned that week, which is crazy to me in retrospect, is how many people I knew because I was far enough along that my miscarriage was very public. Um, like that was a good thing and a bad thing. I got people sad eyes and like leading questions and like they weren't sure if they should talk about it. And I, on one hand, really wanted them to address it. On the other hand, if they addressed it, I might start crying and really regret that at any minute. Um, but I think I realized um, just like how many people have been through it. I, I mean, there were just more miscarriage than I can count in my family and in my circle of friends. And as I had people reach out who I had never heard speak about their miscarriage, I realized how normal it was and like not that it really didn't diminish like my ability to experience my pain at all. I just realized like, wow, it's insane to me that this many people I love could have experienced this. And like, A, the science is failing us. <laughs> and like, we still don't have answers for so many of these things. And B, why aren't we talking about this? And like, why didn't I know that this was a possibility? And why didn't we know that people in our family had experienced this? And like the secrecy to me was just astounding. And I think in that week, as I started to process, I really, like, even then I knew that I wanted to do things to combat that. Um, and I also just wanted to be aware of my words in the future when people shared their stories of miscarriage with me. And I think about it now and like, there's so many things that people said that were either really, really hurtful or really, really helpful. And like, when I think about the two polar ends of that, I had a doctor, it was an anesthesiologist right before I went in who looked at me and said, I was just like hyperventilating in the pre-op room because I was scared of the surgery. And I was also just grieving. And I think the language around miscarriage in the medical field is horrific. Um, I think they described, they ask you, what they're asking is like, what should be done with the baby? after the surgery, but the way that it's phrased is like the fetal remains. And it's just like that devastated me. And I was just absolutely hysterical going into the surgery and the anesthesiologist could hear me in the pre-op and he looked at me in the eye and said, it's okay, you're 25, you'll have other babies. And like, I still, I mean, I've done so much therapy work and still when I think about that, it's like the worst thing you could possibly say. And then, and it just made me feel like absolute crap. Like, honestly, um, it made me feel like I was being overdramatic and like this baby wasn't worth grieving. And that was horrible. But when I think about the things that people said that helped, and I actually wrote some of these down at the time, cause I knew like there will be other people who I know and who in my life will miscarry. And I want to remember what was helpful. Um, a friend of mine and our pastor's wife wrote me a note and she said, 17 weeks is a long time to fall in love. And like, it just like that captured exactly to the T everything that I was feeling in that moment. Like I was heartbroken and in some way her statement addressed that and acknowledged that. And I was so thankful. Um, and then the other thing that was really helpful was in the process of going to therapy. And if, if you have, here's my plug for therapy. If you have the resources to go to therapy in the wake of miscarriage, I would really recommend, even if it's just for a few sessions, 
I would really recommend that you go. Um, I think that there's, there's a stigma around therapy, but there's also a reality that like no one's going to listen to you quite like a therapist because they're being paid to listen to you. And our society is so uncomfortable with miscarriage that it's very hard for people to sit in conversations about something that makes them uncomfortable. And that's when things like you'll have other babies and it just wasn't meant to be. And um, like God knew what he was doing. And like that baby just wasn't supposed to be with us here on earth. That like crushed your soul when you've miscarried. Like I'm sure that's reassuring for someone, but I was not that person. And I was just grieving and I needed someone who could just sit with me in grief. And like, if you can afford through insurance or through any sort of system to find someone who can listen to you and who can allow you to process, I would really recommend that you seek out that help. Um, and if you can't afford therapy, there are tons of resources out there online that are free um, that you can seek support and community. I don't, I don't know if any of you guys are on Peanut. Like Peanut just announced a couple days ago that they're doing support groups for um, people who are trying to conceive and people who have experienced loss. If you go online to Resolve, Resolve is like a huge network that is just literally designed for women who need support in seasons of infertility and loss. And like there's in-person groups, there's online groups, it's all free and it's just there in case you need it. And like I say this because I didn't know these things existed when I was in my lowest of low. It took research through Google through months after loss to figure out that these things had been available to me the whole time. And so I hope that um, like whether it's therapy or whether it is some sort of a conference or online group or in-person group, like you can find or honestly just a single friend who's been through it. I think it's really important to find someone who understands. And I think I have a really awesome husband, but I think it's not realistic to expect your husband to know what you've gone through. Um, just like the reality is you're going through psychologically things and physically things that he can't understand. Like I had milk come in um, within a couple of days of my surgery and it was so painful. And I was just like distraught over it. Like there's not a universe where my husband's going to understand that, but I did have friends who had miscarried who did understand it. And I was just endlessly thankful that they could give me their tips and tricks um, and also that they would listen. So I'd say if you can find support in any way, shape or form, if you can find people who listen to your story and who will affirm your story and acknowledge that your grief is real, like find those people and talk to those people. And if people are saying or doing hurtful things in your season of loss, like it's okay to block them out for a while. Um, I absolutely had that and I had a couple of really insensitive people and I think I felt like this obligation to be nice and I think like when you're in the middle of grief it's okay to be a little bit more self-protective and I wish someone would have told me that then um, but one of the things that came out of therapy that was really helpful for me was the idea of naming our baby and honestly, that was like one of the most healing things, I think, one of the most healing conversations with my husband and also one of the most healing things that like affirmed what I was feeling 
about our miscarriage. Um, I think there's a tendency for people to just like move on and forget, like even the people who are really caring right when you miscarry, they have lives and they just move on and like, they're not necessarily going to remember anniversaries or I think, especially for miscarriage, like the birthday is just heart wrenching. And, um, I think like if you can find spaces to have support on those days, that's really important. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to address and I a little bit of background on me, I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that I, like my miscarriage really changed my life. And I think part of that is, oh, um, sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to move on from the name thing quite yet. So going back to that, um, when I was in therapy, my therapist actually said, like she suggested that we name my son and it led to a whole conversation with my husband about, um, like we had a name that was actually after his grandpa that we wanted to use as a middle name. And we had planned the name. Like we were in our second trimester. We knew that we were having a boy. We had planned the name, knew where we were going. And then there was like this awkward, well, do we use that name? And based on my conversation with my therapist, um, we ended up having, a, I, would, I would call it an argument, um, on a walk one night where we were talking about what name, like we didn't want to forget this baby. And we had used the phrase, the baby, since I had miscarried. And that felt like it wasn't a person to me and like that baby hadn't actually existed. And I think naming him enabled me to like acknowledge that that was a real human that like had a heartbeat that lived inside me and that was my baby. And so we named him Luke. Um, and we had a whole fight about his middle name because it was Luke Kenneth and um, Kenneth was after my husband's grandpa. But like I needed us to acknowledge that we had had a son. And I think if you, particularly if um, you have a late miscarriage and like, you know, the gender, you know, the name, or even if it's early and you know those things, I think that there's like this extra level of grief when that human doesn't get acknowledged that I think naming your child um, can really help with. And like, Lord willing, there will like, there will be a future where you have other children. And I think naming, whether it's your first or whether, um, what, wherever it is in your family journey that you have the experience of miscarriage, I think giving that baby a name like creates a sacred space for that baby and allows you to talk about that baby. And I know that for us, it really did. Um, and so on that note, and back to therapy a little bit, I think um, the experience of miscarriage really did change my life. And that's something that I wanted to touch on on this podcast is that I think while it's this really traumatic, horrible experience, or at least can be, it also can be the launching ground into asking really important questions about your life. And I ended up, um, because when I was in therapy, I just kept trying to figure out like, how do I help this community more? Like, how do I help? I love my therapist, loved my therapist, but she wasn't trained to interact with women who were experiencing loss. And I just kept thinking like, I was working in tech at the time. I was a product manager. Frankly, I was making a lot of money and I liked what I was doing. 
but I was really asking this question of like, how do I help this community more? Because what I experienced people shouldn't be experiencing. Um, and what I ended up doing is going into grad school. So I'm actually now a grad student and I'm studying maternal mental health. And I just want to encourage anyone listening because I, again, I didn't know this when I miscarried, but there's a whole field out there that is maternal mental health related. And there is just endless research out there. And I'm not suggesting by any means that when you're in the middle of miscarriage, you should be reading that research, but like there's care providers both online and in physical offices who specialize in maternal mental health and who can walk you through what you're going through. Um, and maybe even more importantly, if you are planning to start trying again at some point in the future, there is an astounding rate of prenatal anxiety um, that is totally understandable with people who have gone through miscarriage in the past. And personally, I experienced this in a very major way. I ended up getting pregnant um, later that year, and now I have about a one-year-old daughter. But in my pregnancy with her, I mean, I just can't even describe how traumatizing it was and how convinced I was. I think because I had found out about it at a doctor's office, like every single appointment for months, I was in tears. When I hit the, um, around the same time where I had lost my son, Luke, I was just a complete basket case. Like I was going in for ultrasounds several times a week. Um, and I think if you don't know, at the time, I didn't know that prenatal anxiety was a term. I hadn't studied this at all at that point. And if you don't know that that's a thing, you just think you're crazy. And so I want anyone who's listening who might experience that in the future or who is experiencing that now to know that it's completely normal. Like it sucks and I'm sorry that you're experiencing it, but also it's completely normal. And like, if you can talk to your doctor about it, if you can talk to a mental health professional about it, there's ways that they can help you. Um, and there's ways that they can better equip you to navigate it. And I really, really wish I would have known that with my daughter and hopefully with future pregnancies, I'll be able to seek out the support that I need. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm sorry, this was a little bit more emotional than I expected, but I really just wanted to share like, A, what happened to me and share a little bit of my story, but also give you the resources that I've learned about in the last couple of years as I've been learning and growing in this space and going to grad school and doing my own research. Like there is so much information out there that I think can validate your experience and can help you understand why you're feeling what you're feeling and it's you're not going to find it on google and you're probably not going to find it i spent a lot of time in the chat room with babysitter.com because they appeared to have all the answers but i think realistically like seek out help from professionals who have who have training in this area and who can speak to your experience and help you understand what you're actually going through and what to expect in the future because um, i really think it would have made a huge difference for me Okay, I normally ask for a piece of advice at the end of every episode, but I feel like that whole episode was just a ton of advice. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, was, no, I was trying I to... It's incredible. I mean, <laughs> I think that that's so amazing. And you offered so many resources in your episode, and I just really appreciate it. Um, 
yeah, I'm always like, so if you had one piece of advice, <laughs> what would it be? But I feel like, sorry, no, that's, a, that's literally like the best thing ever. So, so I just appreciate you for, you know, feeling the pull to come on here and share your story, even after two and a half years um, of it actually happening. I think that that's really incredible that you're, you're still involving yourself in the community and now you're in grad school doing even more. So um, it's just really cool. But I do want to ask you, if somebody does want to reach out to you, where could they do so? So um, they can reach out to me just on, honestly, probably the best place is my personal um, email or Instagram. I don't, okay. I, I don't know where you get most traffic because either one is absolutely fine. Um, so my Instagram is Kylie Hempy, K-Y-L-I-E, Hempy, H-E-M as in Mary, P-Y. Um, and they can just message me or they can email me. And my email is khempy at scu.edu. Okay, perfect. And I'll go ahead and I'll link both of those in the description of this episode. Kylie, thank you so much. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to chat with you. Yeah, I appreciate I, you. I really appreciate what you're doing. I honestly, like, I these were the kind of resources I needed when I went through this. So I love that you're doing this. Well, thank you. And I couldn't do it without all of you ladies who are jumping on and sharing. So um, let's stay in touch. And yeah, just thank you so much. Have a good rest of your weekend. You too. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Tag myself, tag my guest so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together.